If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Raphael. This week may be actually the most sensuous of the sensuous sounds of InfoSec. Because this week, I, you know, I'm not even going to bury the lead. Um, we're going to talk to Solomon Friedman, a representative of the Ethical Capital Partners, the new owners of a small Canadian firm named MindGeek, which is also the owner of a small Canadian firm called Pornhub. Now, Solomon, I, I got to... I got to say right off the bat, I'm a little upset with you Hit me. because speaking for everyone who's ever had a Jewish grandmother, I know you have now totally destroyed the continuity of all conversations to come because they're all going to go something like this. Have you heard about the Friedman boy? Not only is he a rabbi and an attorney, but he's also kind of a banker now. <laughs> You've hit the Yiddish trifecta, Solomon, and, and it's kind of ruined it for the rest of us. It, it it certainly makes synagogue on Saturdays a little more interesting than it used to be. It was always spicy when you're a criminal defense lawyer. You're defending this guy and this guy, but it's a bit spicier now, and that's okay. Yeah, see, and that's the other thing is I could always say, you know, Grandma, he's also a pornographer. So there's good money in the nudie pictures. Well, as, you know, as, as, I, I mean... As, I had to explain um, when someone was asking about a recent news article I was on the, the, the cover here. I had to say, no, no, it's not that I'm a pornography magnet. It does, it, it's magnate. You know? <laughs> but, uh, so these are distinctions that need to be made uh, to clarify the business we're in. I'm glad you have the same trouble with vernacular in Canada. Um, <laughs> Solomon, do you want to give uh, just a brief introduction to who you are and then also what Ethical Capital Partners is before we launch into the plethora of questions we have for you? Oh, of course, of course. Um, so I'm a nice Jewish boy from Ottawa, Canada. Um, I was a, a rabbi at, at one point, decided uh, that's not a nice job for a good Jewish boy. We need more Jewish criminal defense lawyers. Uh, went to law school. I've been practicing criminal law exclusively for about 15 years. But, you know, also in the, the, the advisory and regulatory space, uh, particularly, particularly as it intersects with technology. I've done representation and opinions um, on the online gambling space, um, on the online sex work space, which is, uh, you know, why this is not foreign territory uh, to me, the application of complex regulatory regimes uh, to emerging technology. Um, Ethical Capital Partners is uh, a really phenomenal partnership. And what, what we have done is we've brought together people with diverse skill sets and backgrounds. So my partners, uh, I'm one of the founding partners of Ethical Capital Partners. Um, my law partner is a partner as well. We have uh, a gentleman named Derek Ogden, who was a former chief superintendent of the Royal Canadian Mountain Police, did all, basically ran uh, federal policing for the country, all drug, organized crime, undercover and special operations uh, for the country. Uh, Sarah Bain, uh, public engagement, um, you know, 
really trying to bring together stakeholders who generally aren't at the, at, at the table. And the purpose of ethical capital partners, what we're up to um, is to transform what is already the most popular adult entertainment platform in the world, uh, really into what it can become. Uh, that is by leveraging our experience, our expertise to engage with stakeholders, whether they're tech, law enforcement, our sex workers, content creators, artists, and create this safe and legal platform, uh, which really at its core celebrates sex positive free expression. That's the project. Um, awesome. And it's one that, that I'm, I'm really delighted to be a part of. And that's kind of, that was going to be kind of my first question. Well, my first question is how much did you pay for MindGeek? <laughs> so you're not going to get a happy answer to that one. It's a private transaction. Okay. And unfortunately, right, we're, not, right. we're not able to say we're that's contractually fair. That's obligated. fair. Okay. All right. But, but you can tell the people at Synagogue, we got a good deal. <laughs> okay. So it wasn't like you just said, well, we've got $1.8 billion laying around and um, we want to have the largest collection of dick pics ever. So instead, oh, instead you're looking at a transformative operation here. I, I imagine, and from what little I could glean from what public information you you put out there, Ethical Capital Partners was clearly created for this purchase, for this, uh, for yeah, this action. So, so I'd say we came together uh, in evaluating uh, MindGeek as an acquisition target. Um, as we really start to understand one another's strengths and interests, uh, there's no question that that MindGeek is only our first acquisition. It's only our first investment. And uh, you're going to stay mainly in a lot of the, I would say, dicier or or more um, uh, volatile markets. Yeah. Well, well, I, as... I, I call them highly regulated. Um, okay. You know, All right. Where, so where cannabis. Uh, gambling, you know, all the the vice markets is that is that, and, and believe me, I'm a big proponent of all these things. So I'm I'm not attacking you here. <laughs> no, no, not and not at all. And and I, I'd say no. Uh, that's not what we are not going to be confined to any one investment area. I think as we began to look under the hood of MindGeek, uh, we realized that the opportunity uh, for collaboration, uh, particularly on the on 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 the tech side. And places where you know MindGeek uh, and its amazing assets and amazing people can bring value uh, has really been penned in by the fact that mainstream investment uh, has shied away from adults. So the the right eyes haven't been on this company in many ways. So um, I, I think you know people are going to learn, uh, particularly as ECP makes further investments, uh, other acquisitions, uh, other partnerships that you know the. The, the sort of horsepower that has been behind these platforms, like, and it's not just Pornhub, Pornhub, RedTube, you know, YouPorn, all the sites you claim not to know about um, and won't, won't admit to visiting, uh, really can power some other extraordinary developments on the internet. So I tell people on that front, stay tuned. We are looking uh, actively uh, at a number of opportunities, and we hope to be making announcements about that in due course. Outstanding. Excellent. Um, I, I'm on a, I know Rafti is going to start throwing things at the screen if I don't let him ask some of his questions. He's been, he's been, he's been anxious all morning for this. So go ahead, Rafti. No, but my questions are mainly technical, so I don't know how, how far we want to go into this. But you're already touching on a couple of things, like um, sort of like what MindGeek's unique um, position allows them and sort of like what they are trying to do. And and uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's already the time to go into that or if we might Just touch on this Just ask the question, later. Rafti. Don't dance with the man. <laughs> go for it. All is well. I, I, okay. Yeah, no, happy happy to, to get into it, of course. 
Okay, no. So I've been curious. Uh, a couple of things. Um, you and it says on the uh, like this article on ethicalpartners.com, where it says like investing in MindGeek as an uh, internet leader and in fighting illegal online content. And you're talking about sort of like um, how you police and how you sort of like start regulating and stuff like that. And I don't think that you mention AI on this, but I guess um, does it have to do with, with facial recognition? Um, are you like sort of like scanning everything before it goes up? How much do you do about that? Is it just like with the CSAM, we already know like they're doing hashing, but do you do more than this? And how much do you go into this? And and maybe then an, an follow-up question, maybe more towards the legal side, um, does this bring you into more sort of like trouble because you're now doing more regulation or is it actually like what's required of you? Yeah, great, great. Okay, Rafi, you and I are going to get along just fine. Um, <laughs> this is uh, th this is stuff that really excites me. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll step back for one moment because my interest in this begins pre-MindGeek, long before Ethical Capital Partners. As a criminal defense lawyer, I've done quite a bit of litigation on CSAM cases, all right? And one of the things that I know very well as a good defense Sorry, lawyer- Sorry, for, for us ignorant ones, what's a CSAM? Child sex abuse material. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad um, I was ignorant of that. All right, no, no, ahead. exactly. All right. um, so um, as, as a defense lawyer and a good defense lawyer, I, I know how to win those cases, which means I know how the state loses them. I know the technical challenges that they have both in obtaining the evidence, but also presenting the forensic computer evidence in court. Um, I've cross-examined a number of forensic computer examiners on CSAM cases. And, you know, one, one of the big challenges they face is the volume of material on any given device or drive that they have to examine. All right. And you mentioned something, uh, you mentioned hashes. So let's talk a little briefly about that. And I'm, what I'm going to do is I'll give you my understanding and then I'll duck and cover while you guys throw things at me through the screen and uh, tell me that I'm, I've got the, the technical jargon wrong. But I'll give it the lay, lay person's uh, perspective. I know that your audience is very, very sophisticated, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, as we know that, you know, every digital file um, can be represented by a fingerprint, a hash, an algorithmic uh, representation uh, without uh, a container of its content. So you can have a gigabyte size file reduced to 256 characters, et cetera, et cetera, right? And that's very important in identifying file integrity. We use it for all sorts of things. But one of the things that it's used for on the law enforcement um, and the, the anti-CSAM, but it's not just CSAM, it's also non-consensual images, what's often referred to as revenge porn. We'll get into that as well uh, because we have some solutions that, that, that deal directly with that. So um, a file can be fingerprinted. Right, that's the layperson term. We call it fingerprinting, of course. And there are different hashes. We've got, you know, your MD5 hashes and other protocols, algorithms that generate those codes. So that is a, a simple process. And what happens is uh, law enforcement organizations, as well as NGOs and advocacy groups, what they do is there are what we call known series of CSAM. All right. Um, and there are millions of such images and videos. They're, in, they're really uh, you know, obviously deplorable. Um, CSAM material that represents harm and victimization. And one of the ways that we, you know, work to attempt to identify and investigate and prosecute uh, offenders is by fingerprinting all of this material. So now you have essentially a database by which other uh, material can be compared. So anytime law enforcement takes into their custody by lawful means, let's say a hard drive, they can scan it against a database of hashes. 
All right, of known series. And what that and does at least is- in the US, I, I'm not sure how it is in Canada, but at least in the US, law enforcement does make that fingerprint database available to organizations to scan their own interior internal traffic so that if they want to be proactive in making sure they are clean, they can do so. I imagine Correct. it's similar in Canada. Yes. Yeah, so like in the United States, the, the, the clearinghouse for this is NECMEC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Uh, they maintain an enormous hash database. In Canada, we have C3P, the Center for Child Protection, and their project Arachnid. They do the same thing, uh, maintaining this hash database. Now, what, what the hash database allows, uh, let's, let's talk about on the investigation stage, and then we'll talk about on the upload side. On the investigation stage, it means that your first step is not clicking image by image by image through every image and video detected on this hard drive. First, run it through that database. You get a bunch of hits. You could probably save yourself a lot of work. There's no real difference in your investigation if someone has 500 images or 520, right? Then you can go and look at the results of that hash uh, search to verify, if you have to verify, these are indeed CSAM or otherwise illegal content. So that's used in investigations now. Um, on our, let's talk about our upload journey for content. So first of all, no content can be uploaded to any MindGeek platform by someone who is not a verified uploader. And a verified uploader means that we use a combination of AI, uh, third-party tools, and human verification to confirm that this person is real, they match government-issued ID, and that the details that they've given us in their government ID match, and the person depicted in the content matches the verified uploader. Right, um, a process. If you imagine, if that existed on most social media platforms, they'd be dead tomorrow. Nobody would join Facebook. You just want to, you know, post pictures of your new ska band. Um, you're not going to have be a verified uploader. But let's move down the journey to the content uploading journey. This is what you are talking about on the hashing database, and it's where uh, MindGeek adds value with some really interesting proprietary. Tools. Quick side note. Quick side note. Yeah. How many verified uploaders do you have? And it sounds like there's at least some manual oversight in this process. So there is full manual oversight in, in all of it. We have 560,000 verified uploaders. How many, uh, how many people are on the staff of MindGeek to so manually oversee that? Yeah, just to be clear, um, that the verified uploader program predates the uh, you know, I, I understand. New York Times no. article in December 2020. Um, but we have hundreds on our moderation team working full-time. We don't outsource, unlike other social media platforms. I've been to Cyprus. I have seen them at work. It's an incredible team uh, a guided with AI tools because it cannot be a human-only endeavor. Um, it, it, it's a major operation. We work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The and you're constantly content... taking new applications for- Exactly, uploaders. exactly. Right. And I'm sorry, uh, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. It's a, look, the scale of this is fascinating. It is, and, and and part of this, you know, part of the the tremendous investing opportunity here comes in the huge gulf between the public's perception of what's going on, based on misinformation, you know, anti-porn extremism masquerading as anti-human trafficking advocacy, that false public perception on one side, and the reality. And we saw an enormous arbitrage opportunity if we can narrow that gap and bring some of that reality to the public. So all right. So you know, I'm sorry, if you can get back into the uploading. I sure can. So, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. No, not at all. So um, these, are, this is a, these are important topics or interesting topics. Feel free, ask anything you want. Um, then you're a verified uploader. Now, verified uploader doesn't mean you have carte blanche to upload anything. Every single piece of content, whether you know, you've been a verified uploader for 10 minutes or five years, goes through the following journey, right? 
content is uh, uploaded and it stays in moderation. The first thing that happens is we run it through as many third-party tools as we can. Uh, we're, we're always expanding the reach of those tools. Um, they range from uh, YouTube CSAI match. We use Thorns tools. We use basically any hash database that we can get access to. And we want access to all of them so that we can scan this both against known CSAM or non-consensual images, but also against our own database of previously flagged content. Okay. Now, here's where things get really cool. All right. As you know, a hash is this representation of a digital file. It requires a bit-for-bit -bit copy for the hash to be identical. Change one bit, you change the hash. So if someone uploads five minutes of a six minute video, it's gonna ruin the fingerprint that you have and it won't immediately be identified as CSAM. Even if, you, yeah. even if you change one pixel in one frame. Right, yes. It, it, it changes, and this is maybe for people, I guess all our listeners know this, but it changes, of course, the hash dramatically. So this is the it's whole purpose of the avalanche of effect. Yes, you yeah. change one, the whole hash changes, correct. Yeah. Exactly. The, the 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 hash is a representation of the digital property. So I, I, I like to rattle off my list. You 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 clip, crop, transcode, change any any property of this file whatsoever. And it's not like the hash looks like your brother's genetic code compared to yours. They bear no resemblance to one another. All right. Um, and like I said, if 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 a, a tech dummy like me could get educated on this stuff, like I've seen the representations of it, because I'm, I ask a lot of questions. Um, and as you can imagine, you know, in doing, uh, you know, a year of full-time investigation into this company pre-purchase, that's what you do when you're advising on an acquisition and you're here working with your partners to buy something. Um, I ask a lot of questions. Um, now. MindGeek has taken an enormous step towards solving this problem. And before I tell you, you know, what that step is, I'll tell you why they developed it originally. And this is another, opens up another really interesting tech door. Um, when you are a company that uh, produces and posts adult content for sale, your biggest business adversary is IP theft. People will take your high quality, paid for, consensual, you know, production value, ready to go content and post it elsewhere on the internet. And your content creators will get hosed. We're not just talking about big studios. We have individual content creators, 560,000 of them. Uh, they make income off this material. They will get hosed. Um, and well, generally, if they were just people on their own, we'll have no recourse. I'm going to give you one guess as to who the biggest issuer on the internet of DMCA notices is. You get one guess only. Um, if you get the wrong answer, the interview is over. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it's Pornhub. It, yeah, it's MindGeek and all of its holdings. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Take a you guess. Take a guess on how many DMCA takedown takedown notices MindGeek issued last year. Two hundred million. That's exactly bang on right. Two hundred million. This guy yep. does his research. Okay. I'm not surprised. I'm honestly not surprised. I've actually, yeah. in the small world of intellectual property I exist in, I've been both the target of DMCA takedowns and have issued a few of my own. So yeah. I, I'm, 
I'm kind of familiar with how powerful this is. Now, I got to I got to imagine that of those 200 million, some of them are going to be false positives because that's just the nature of the scale you're talking about. But the rest of them are all the other non-MindGeek sites that are taking pirated content basically right. and, and rebranding it as their own. And I'll say this, you know, DMCA is not a perfect regime. Um, but it is a regime that allows content platforms to exist on the internet, right? It at least gives you some recourse. So, I, I, well, recourse, but also protection from liability, right? Remember, if you respond yeah. promptly to a DMCA notice, in theory, you, should, you shouldn't have liability. I, I, it's, a, it's a tough battle. But it can also be weaponized. And what, I would love to have that whole conversation. But yes, okay, <laughs> yeah. go ahead. Okay, so now, the, the, obviously, to send out 200 million DMCA takedown notices, that, there's no team in Cyprus that's doing that. That's automated. <laughs> Right. right. But there are two parts to that automation. The first part is content recognition. In other You're words, you're actually going and looking at all the other sites. Correct. As well, correct. Of course. And sites, file sharing, everything like it's look, it's generally not, you know, the mainstream other sites. It's these smaller sites that operate in unregulated jurisdictions. And on top of those 200 million uh, takedown notices, we actually had Google delist 700 sites completely for noncompliance. We're talking about the worst of the worst offenders who just refuse to respond and Google ultimately delists them, which as you know, is the sort of death sentence uh, for a website, okay? You can't be searched for on Google. You and the friends who know the IP address or the URL can enjoy it to their heart's content. Nobody else. When you else say Google, it. are you only talking with Alphabet? Or are you doing it with Bing and no, DuckDuckGo? Every, you know, I, I say Google okay, sort okay. of representative of the you. search engine right, economy, right, right. all right? Um, that's our final recourse. Now, that means that we have a tool that can do two things. One is recognize our content. And guess what pirates do? Transcode, clip, crop, recolor, etc. And number two, uh, we can then find that material outside on the internet. So that same tool that was developed to protect intellectual property, uh, has, we use it internally now to scan uploads as well. Uh, it's called Safeguard. That's the that's the tech that MindGeek has developed that allows. Are you going to be Are you going to be licensing that to publishers of other IP? Because I think that's another revenue stream you might have. There's there's a number of other opportunities, and some of them are revenue streams, and others are simply public good. All right. Um, so, for example, this is a tool that should be in the hands of every law enforcement agency, every social media platform to scan, not just uploads, but even transmitted images and videos against a hash database of known CSAM and known non-consensual images. You should not be able to send a, a, an image using let's say a WhatsApp that doesn't pass through a, a database of CSAM hashes, that simple. Have you made overtures to make your tools available to those entities yet? So. Uh, this is what I'll say. I don't want to prejudice any ongoing discussions because, as you can imagine, there has been a reluctance in the past to have mainstream engagement with adults. We are, I hope, proof in the uh, in the pudding that 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 step that that ceiling's broken. All right, we're 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 moving forward there. What I'll say is, as you can as you can know, just sort of on the tech development process, it takes time to turn something from an internal uh, proprietary security tool to an APIable uh, application. Which, which can be used in various uses. I can say it's a priority of, of MindGeeks. Um, I, I, I'm delighted to see the progress on it. And, and it's one, like, this is the kind of tool when you look at it, you say, it cannot be kept in, indoors. It just can't be. Um, it solved a crucial problem that you have of both IP and of you know, scanning for CSAM and non-consensual images. But I, I'm a big believer that what we're doing is the tip of the iceberg of what we're capable of.
Outstanding. I, I love the sound of it. And again, I'd love to do like eight more episodes on each individual subtopic you just brought up. Um, but Rafti mentioned a term that I, I'm not sure you quite addressed, and I'd like to drill down on. Again, yes, I'm a huge proponent of this, but some things kind of scare me. Facial recognition. Is that yeah. part of your internal tools tool suite to review content? And if so, if that thing gets out of its box, how dangerous is that? And have you recognized that there's some danger there? Look, I, I think that we are, you know, on surfing this uh, rising wave when it comes to artificial intelligence. All right, and we we don't know uh, what it's ultimately capable of. I think, you know, this is the the, the tech community. Certainly, those who take responsible AI seriously uh, know that and 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 deal you know, with it with caution. I think part of it is understanding the limitations of the tools, um, but also trying to forecast what their ultimate application will be. And that's, that's sort of this, this, this very difficult balance to strike. So let's talk about artificial intelligence for a moment when it comes to like facial recognition. So absolutely facial recognition is at the core of both the verified uploader process. For that, we use a third party provider called Yodi. Yodi is pretty well known in this space, um, based in the United Kingdom. Uh, they provide third-party ID verification for a whole suite of government and non-government users. So um, Yodi is what returns to us an automatic set of flags, green or red, right? So everything from, is this a live person? To, is this a real piece of ID? To, do the details of the live person match the ID? Does the identifying information on the ID match the input? All right. And that's that's obviously very, very important for us, even at the back end of things. When, when we're talking about a, con a content platform that is committed to exploitation-free sex positive expression, we need to know that the person being paid out on the back end is the same as the person who's uploaded the content. And for that, ID verification is essential, right? Both on the payout side and the intake side. Now, that's one use of, of um, of facial recognition, but we have we have other uses as well. Um, we we have we use third party, but have also developed our own proprietary age estimation tools. Right, a quick way to scan content, both content and uh, live webcam shows. We are hosting this material. We need to moderate it. Uh, human can't watch all of them with full attention at one time. They need the assistance of AI tools, which we use. Um, they have to know that someone new has been introduced into the frame and it's someone who there should be a flag for. And now that moderator, that needs to pop up for the moderator and they need to review it carefully, right? So there are definitely um, uses of facial recognition. We also recognize the limitations. I was at a conference uh, just last week and there was a scholar talking about um, the sort of inequitable application of facial recognition that the facial recognition is generally only as good as the data sets upon which it's trained. And guess what? The data sets tend to look a lot like the folks on this call and not a lot like other folks who may be using slash uploading are essential to our community. And you need to be yeah, very, we, very we, aware. And we've seen biases there, the 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 uh, African-American and, and in some cases, the model, even female, uh, it has default, it's like a 2.8% uh, slip rate on a lot of the facial Thanks. recognition stuff. Um, but what I'm what I'm interested in also is, does your facial recognition tool, can it also be incorporated to identify individuals in content that not that aren't necessarily uploaded to your platform and vice versa, could your facial recognition tool be used to recognize people who have not uploaded to content that arrives at your platform 
such as deep fakes of celebrities and yeah, so forth? Yeah, that great, great, great question. So uh, deep fake detection uh, is critical in the work we're doing right now. So just to be very clear, uh, MindGeek has a zero tolerance policy for deep fake content. Okay, absolutely unacceptable. Um, it violates our terms of service, and depending on the jurisdiction in which you live, it violates your local criminal law. Uh, it has no place on our platform. To us, uh, it, it is, runs directly contrary to the ethos of consensual free expression that somebody's likeness could be co-opted into a form of expression. Let me, let me clarify your policy just real quick so I'm sure. If I want to make a deep fake of myself because I want to perform some acrobatic, pornographic, sexual behavior, that's okay? I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no. It's, so this is a right like like now once again none this, none so not, CGI not, not. Marvel movies could not be uploaded to I mean well, assuming that you see what I'm saying I mean no, CGI sure, like, then is I, I I get that but you know what we're talking about when 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 we talk about deep fake and and this is something somebody else's somebody likeness. else's right okay, that you're right. you're appropriating somebody Fair else's likeness um, okay. you know the. There, there is sometimes, you know, computer generated images to make some special effects and some fun. I've seen some cool science fiction uh, adult material. Uh, there's all and kinds of cool okay. stuff like that, right? But that's very different than impersonating somebody else, co-opting their likeness, um, which we see as a, as, a, as a real fundamental exploitation. Okay, uh, good. The question good. is, uh, you know, how is it detected? Right. So remember, we start at the front end with the verified uploader process. If you don't pass a liveness check, and, and I have tried, uh, you know, all sorts of fun things. And, and as does our audit team, we have a, a full-time red team that is constantly trying to exploit the platform, that's trying to uh, upload content, get around verified uploader, uh, perform illegal search terms. Is that I'll talk about all the cool things they're, they're doing as well and what happens when you do those things. Um, the, the, you know, you must be a, a real live person in order to upload. But the content also goes through... Um, at, at this stage, you know, detection looking for that deep fake content, which we have to continue to improve. Like the, the quality of deep fakes today versus 12 months ago, uh, one is indistinguishable from the other, right? It's like- you're You have like, a catalog of known celebrities so that you can so, map against? So remember, we have a, we have a catalog of, uh, of known uh, prohibited material. That's what I'll say without going too deep into, because the, the trouble with InfoSec, as you know well, is I don't want to, I can't tell you where all the cameras in the bank are. I can't tell you where the secret alarms are, right? I'm but not asking for be... your SOC 2 type 2 report. Exactly. I gotcha. I gotcha. So, so, you know, but constantly updating those methods, including the use of adversarial pen testing, um, is, is a critical part of what we're doing, right? If you How do you get are... that job? That's the job yeah. I want to have. I, look, I'll tell you something, my first introduction to MindGeek, when I went to visit the offices, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, what kind of seedy environment am I walking into? It couldn't be more different. The people who work, like, it is an amazing tech company with an amazing crew of, of, of engineers and other employees who are dedicated to creating a safe and responsible platform for sex-positive free expression. Like, it's wild. The people, it is a wonderful place to work. And I've heard that over and over. In fact, one of the, one of the most touching parts about our acquisition was how many employees after Ethical Capital Partners proudly announced the acquisition changed their employer to their real employer on LinkedIn, wrote MindGeek on LinkedIn, had been previously huh. embarrassed because of the stigma, the fact that, huh. that prior ownership didn't step forward and, and defend them, that they didn't have real champions. And now they say, finally, someone is telling the story of what we're actually doing, right? Um, it's an amazing environment. 
It, Rafi, it, it, you had something you want to? Yeah, I wanted to quickly ask. You have to get position. in there. Solomon will yeah, keep no. going. You got to <laughs> so, get in there. I got you. I got it. No, but the question I have is, with that question, you did not announce who the new CEO will be. No, Just out of curiosity. Is it already announced? I, no, I haven't no. looked at it. No. So okay. right now, the positions of CEO and COO are vacant. Um, they, were okay, previously vacant. they were previously occupied by the former minority shareholders. Um, as you know, part of the acquisition, it was a 100% change of control. The prior ownership have no further um, uh, ownership, stake, beneficial, legal, or otherwise. Um, we know that finding the right uh, CEO and COO for this company is a critical job um, and uh, one that we take very, very seriously. And we are, you know, we, we have a, a, a search process underway where we also know that it's a decision that carries with it a lot of responsibility and, and we're making sure to consult, not just within the company, but with our really important stakeholders, everyone from content creators to law enforcement and regulators and hearing who the right people are for these jobs. I'm gonna guess, and, and I don't mean to get into your corporate strategy here, but. <laughs> For the optics alone, you're probably shopping among other CEOs and COOs of vanilla markets as opposed to drawing from the adult market simply because you want to legitimize more. Is that am I in the ballpark here? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't like to say there's a hard and fast requirement in terms of you know prior prior industry experience, but there's no question that our strategy revolves around the destigmatization and the mainstreaming of this industry. That we're of the view like I, I think that this story, this discussion that we're having now is gonna be a boring one in five years. Everyone will have done it. Um, mainstream tech and investment will have moved heavily into this area. And I'm happy to hear that. Like, I don't see that as competition. That's the right thing. Uh, that's how you get you know, real safe platforms. That's how you get equitable payment processing. That's how you get the right application of you know, outside ideas into this industry. But yes, okay. there's no, there's no okay. question that's an important consideration. But might you also be killing the golden goose? I got a couple of things here. Okay, a, a couple of elements. First of all, I, I'm gonna paraphrase because I, I, the quote doesn't immediately leap to mind, but I think it was Woody Allen who said, sex is dirty if you're doing it correctly. <laughs> If by legitimizing your operation and normalizing the porn industry, which has been attempted in the past, I will I will point out, and we can talk about that too, you may take out some of the entertainment value because there's something about it being covert, something about it being quasi-distasteful or you know, subtle or subterfuge involved that makes it appealing. And I and I have to guess that after your big purge that happened, what was it, a year, year or two ago? Two years ago. I imagine a lot of the traffic went to the some of the less reputable sites that do not have the same safeguards that Pornhub and MindGeek have put into place. That X Hamster and X Videos and XNXX, I'm, I'm sure they were glad to see you guys took that step so they could flourish. Have you seen that be in effect yet? Yeah, let, let's let's talk about that. I think that's that is a really really important question. So first of all, I think that you know, sex is fun if done right. Okay. That, in other words, it, this notion of it being, you know, dirty or hidden, I think that's a societal construct that we've sort of grown up with. I frankly think it's bullshit. Um, I think that what we see, you know, offering this platform for people to explore sides of themselves, it might be private. That's different. Private is different than hidden and shameful. That means you can live one life out who you are, your job, the way you speak, but then have another identity that's legal and consensual, but wildly fun. 
Okay, so I, I think the notion of privacy and security, which is an important uh, component of all this, is very different than hiding or, or being shameful. When you talk about the steps that uh, MindGeek took when they removed 8 million pieces of user-generated content, all right, that was largely just, and I'll be very frank, garbage content. In other words, you might have high volume, but if it's not drawing views on an advertising metric, it's, it's, it's irrelevant. Now, there's something about the volume of content in terms of driving search engine traffic in and of itself, but the lesson that MindGeek learned and the, the rest of the industry is now following, that's the fascinating thing about what's happening, is that they learned that uh, the verified uploader path and high quality content is what brings people in. Right, and the reason you end up with you know eight million pieces of user-generated content is that the content creator revolution met the adult industry, and neither were really ready for one another. So the adult side said, "Ooh, content," and the content creator said, "Ooh, monetization," and nobody really grappled with this is a different kind of content than your kind of mainstream non-sexual content carries with it different risks and a different robust approach needs to be applied to it. When we talk about the competition, the other sites, your X videos, X hamster, et cetera, what we're actually seeing uh, is following the example that we're setting. And, and I am certain that that is what the future portends, that for any operator, unless you're talking about real rogues, okay, uh, in, in jurisdictions that are beyond the reach of the law, all right? And that's not who we're talking about when we talk about our mainstream competition. No, we're talking about the right? big right. traffic. Yeah. The yeah. big traffic, right? Yeah. They realize that regulation is coming and that Pornhub was just the canary in the coal mine. The reason that we got hit by the litigation, by the public scrutiny was because when you think porn, you don't think porn, you think Pornhub, right? Like yes. I was yeah. at a comedy club last week and the guy, he couldn't make online porn jokes. He just had to say Pornhub because when, when I ask you, for example, and, and you gentlemen might be more sophisticated connoisseurs, if I said, tell me the logo of an internet porn site, one comes to mind, one brand, there's one Coca-Cola out there. So what we're seeing, so we were just the flat. You were being punished for your success, which always happens. The same thing happened to Craigslist but, and they went through their whole legal exactly. shenanigans. But, but I think okay. what we're seeing actually is the rest of the industry is going to follow. I don't see it in any way. And that's um, true in any market. Comp competitive disadvantage. Once regulation comes to a market, it's the market leaders who are going to benefit because they have entrenched. It, it's it's going to stifle innovation and creativity somewhat. But at least in this realm, if, from what you're describing, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And when we're talking about data, you're talking about a lot of dead weight for content that's not driving traffic, right? right. Um, I do have to ask you also, though, one of the really, one of the things I found incredibly respectable about Pornhub is when Facebook had its big push to shove firearms-related material off of their uh, sites, Pornhub said, come on in. We, you don't have to be adult-oriented material. You don't have to be sex-oriented material. We are a First Amendment. We're a free expression platform. So come on in and show us how to field strip your, your firearms. Come on in, show us how to do target shooting. Are you still going to be that forward-thinking and that huge a proponent of free expression, or something's going to change as you focus on your adult industry? No, look, uh, free expression is at the core of what we do. Um, we're obviously, uh, we, we, we bind ourselves by our terms of service. We have to draw lines. There's, you know, free expression has to be limited by the law. Um, there have to be certain rules, right? Obviously, and we take that very, very seriously. Uh, but within the bounds of that, uh, we are a place where adults can explore and create. Now, th which is interesting, it takes you to the other opportunities because when you talk about the mainstreaming 
the you know the effect that has one of the effects that also has is it drives advertisers better advertisers to the platform right the the, the more socially acceptable and destigmatized the platform is the better their quality of advertisers is going to be and you know when we it's interesting i want to come back to that issue you talked about the sex being shameful i'm actually of the view that what ends up what, what often happens in the let's call it the user journey okay on any adult site is somebody enjoys their journey and then asks themselves the question like was that okay what I just saw? And if they're on a platform where they can be completely comfortable, that Reddit, whatever the representation was, and it could be harder core, softer core, your taste, my taste, someone else's taste, but they know that was 100% consensual, exploitation free. This is what the site I want to keep coming back to, right? Because I, I, I feel okay about it. Uh, I can, I can, you know, okay. uh, I mean, separate I, that I, shame. I think you're imagining a, a, a lot more altruistic endeavor for most of your browsers than, than I'm imagining, but okay. All right. Well, I mean, I mean, look, you know. we got 130 million daily active users. The we're talking. We 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 want obviously a community of you know law-abiding, responsible people. And you, I I think I always say this: you, you you need to impute the best when it comes to the values of your users and act accordingly. Right? Okay. We're creating right. a platform for those users. Which, by the way, I, I think that we've only begun to see how prevalent it can be. The more mainstream, the more visitors you're going to get. Okay, so you've got two main revenue streams. You've mentioned advertising. You also have a subscription model, right? Yes. Can you tell us, and again, if you can't, I understand. Can you tell us what percentage of revenue is, it's not 50-50, I'm going to guess, which, which is attributed yeah. to each? So I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into specifics on, on, on those revenues. I can say that that's part of, the, so those are the main, um, the uh, main sort of uh, revenue silos. We also have a gaming division, uh, Nutaku, uh, really popular um you know pay for credit situation mostly you know uh hentai japanese other other related material which is a growing department the games folks are amazing um i, I think we're going to see that uh that explode uh in in the near future uh particularly as 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 the device manufacturers and the platform creators uh need to grapple with where does adults fit in our ecosystem uh, and at a certain point they just become too big to ignore uh, and of course we also have our our revenue share for monetized content by by creators but yeah those are largely speaking our, our our revenue buckets and it sounds to me as if the normalization of the market basis that you're going for you're hoping to increase more on the advertising side as opposed to necessarily the subscription side is that am i correct there and that assumption? I, I think they work hand in hand so uh as you as you destigmatize, the shame goes away. Two things happen: one, better advertisers come who are willing to pay more per click. On the other hand, you know if you get to where your goal is, you got a Netflix subscription, you got uh, an Apple TV subscription, and you've got a Pornhub Premium subscription. You've got a SpiceFit subscription. Okay, all right. Okay, no. but. It, let's say let's say Hulu and Freevee and some of those they do the advertising model yep. where the ad yep. is in the middle of the content. You cannot yes. do that with porn. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Uh, no. well, that's oh. why you... <laughs> I could see product placement. 
you know, I can totally oh, so see that. We, we, can, we, we can just start talking about product. What about click here to buy this, buy this toy, buy this lingerie, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of, a lot, a lot of things that can be happening. Oh, in there. baby, baby, harder, harder and pass me the Doritos, <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know I, what, see, ben, I think we need you on the, on the marketing. I could see here. that. I could see that, but you can't stop in the middle of a broadcast and have a 30 oh, sure. second. Ad. Well, there's a reason we have pre-roll ads on yes. our content sharing platforms, but yeah. obviously the benefit there's a couple of benefits of the premium platforms okay um and it's not just ad free it's also you know i i always tell people stop browsing in incognito mode okay it's not good for you it's not good for anyone let this platform learn your tastes i promise you you don't have to get to page 138 you know on a, on a lonely evening if if it simply spend a couple of visits it'll know exactly what you're interested in it'll surface content that is made for you right and we're oh, actually seeing now, more now you've that. just <laughs> You've just punched Rafty right in the navel. Rafty. Okay, so, you know, on this, on this, doing the due diligence for this transaction, if I had to pay per use of incognito mode on my Google Chrome, I would be bankrupt. Okay, luckily it's free per use. At a certain point, I just stopped. I said, this is absurd. What am I in? I'm, I'm looking at an incognito mode. Why am I doing this? Right? Like, uh, yeah, I, and, and, and like I said, the, the surfacing, the content surfacing uh, properties, like our teams work very, very hard on that. Let, let it work for you. Okay, Rafti, I know you've got 8 million other questions. Go for it. <laughs> no, but all as well. I, I guess, I don't know, uh, so, uh if you know, but um, I, of course, uh, I'm working um, at a privacy company and what we do is is privacy software. So, uh, but of course, for all the listeners, incognito mode is not making you more private. It's just nope. like, and I guess what you're saying, like it's deleting cookies and stuff like that. So, but from one session to the other, and that would be an interesting question now that we're there. Um, are you doing fingerprinting? I guess you are. And I guess you like Pornhub will know who the same user is um, coming back to the platform. And you don't have to disclose, but yeah. fingerprinting is a, and like with, with pixels and like uh, some JavaScript and stuff, like um, that's, that's what I'm thinking about most of the time. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yeah, you could identify individuals by their browsing habits. That's amazing. So, actually. so I'll, I'll say this, um, uh, you know, one, one other thing that I discovered very, very soon upon getting to know the mind geek team is how seriously they take user privacy. All right. Uh, oh, which, feeds, okay. which, which feeds into, for example, why we have just disabled our services in Utah. Okay. It's because okay. of how seriously we take user privacy. So, um, as, as a principle guided, not just by the relevant privacy legislation, but also by our own values, uh, we believe it's important to collect as little identifying information about our users as possible. Okay, that is a value of the company. Now, wait a second, I'm in Louisiana and you're still asking me for my ID. You didn't so discontinue here. No, we're only we're asking you for the ability to plug in your LA wallet so we don't actually have to take a record of who you are, simply that we received a yes, uh, record from LA wallet. Now we so think it's a bad thing to verify that I am me. Exactly right. Okay. Exactly right. Uh, it, Utah, I may be, I may be traveling to Pornhub again yeah. later today. <laughs> Good. Okay. Can't, can't wait. Right. Um, we're happy to have you. you. We'll keep the light on for you, Ben. Um, <laughs> but in Utah, the Utah digital ID uh, astoundingly is not available to be used online only at point of sale on a device. So it cannot be used for online transactions. Therefore, their law would require us to collect and verify the ID of every user. We will not do that. And we had to make the hard decision to shut down uh, because that simply violates our ethos as a company. We're not doing it. 
Um, we think it's a terrible solution. It doesn't protect children because it requires site by site verification. So kids will just go around it and it exposes users data pri privacy to real, real prejudice. For us, and we, we might disagree on this one, uh, we are of the view that age verification is coming. Uh, an age gate is being built, but we're of the view that it has to happen on the device level. That there, that is, the device holds the credential, just like it holds all your other secure certificates, and all the site does is handshakes with the with the device. We don't want to know any more than that. That you've got a, a a yes device from Google, Apple, or Microsoft. We have a running gag on this show. Uh, don't you care about the dieti to protect the dieti, the Russian for children, yes. and and how legislators in their uh, assumingly best intentions make these horrible, horrible standards and regulations yeah. that actually do not accomplish what they set out to do and instead have unintended consequences of orders of magnitude more damage. Oh. Well, um, and, and, and you, you can impute best intentions. I will not. Um, yeah. We're talking about, uh, you know, religiously motivated, ideologically motivated states that say pretty much in public that this is a war on, on pornography, and we fundamentally disagree with that. We, look, we do not want children on our site. Let's be very clear. We do not want underage users on our site. Not for one second. I don't want one click. Either content or viewing. You don't want. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so yeah. content, obviously, we've got a verified uploader process and, and moderation. On, on the user site, there's, there's a number of elements. So first of all, we actually provide parents with a toolkit on our site as to how to block this on the device or router level. We tell parents how to do it. That's number one. Number two, we are proponents of device-based age verification. Uh, we're of the view that it's the least privacy invading and the most effective solution. Uh, we're, you know, governments need to come around to that, and I think they will with collaboration with industry. But this notion of having to give your, your personal ID to 10,000 sites on the internet is absolute bananas, and MindGeek will not participate in it. We love our visitors, we love our users, we love our Utah users. They're, they're marvelous, but unfortunately their government has made it impossible for us to safely offer content. So we drew a line in the sand. You okay, may so want to talk to Rafti later on about other solutions for this too. His, his company, Safing, uh, is looking at some pretty good solutions for <laughs> good secure browsing on the internet. I'm always happy to chat. <laughs> But then, but it's it's interesting. It's uh, basically one of the three questions I have now, or maybe one. The first statement: so you don't have a shadow profile like Facebook does. This is what you're right. saying, basically. You right. don't build it. Very cool. I, I love that. <laughs> uh, the second thing then is: um, are is like because you're set MindGeek is a technology company. Is MindGeek investing in sort of like providing technology solutions for device level verification? Are you working on this? So uh, this is what I'll say. We're, we're, we're working on, on the elements of age verification, and we're happy to share them uh, to the device and OS manufacturers uh, to be a partner in, in getting this done. Uh, but we're of the view that th this cannot be done on the site level. Um, what, what I'd say is we offer our, the collaboration of our engineering teams uh, to any one of the OS manufacturers who are serious about this solution. The, 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 the trouble is that we the technology exists today. This is not... You know, it, it, it's not space that we got to we got to go maybe, maybe 10 years, 20 years. It exists today. It, the right brains need to come together and collaborate to make it a seamless whole while obviously protecting, you know, fundamental privacy. That, I'm not saying it's an easy balance, 
the, the, the balance between security and privacy, I'm, not, I'm preaching to folks who know far more about this than I do, is, is a tough one, right? Just like for us on the verified uploader journey, do we wish that we didn't have to verify if we, we weren't an adult platform, we wouldn't be taking these steps? That, that, that might be the case. We want people to have that sort of quote unquote anonymity to the rest of the world. But unfortunately, when it comes to us, they need to provide that. Now, we do it in as secure an environment as possible while fundamentally respecting their privacy, knowing that they're entrusting us, our verified uploaders, with, with very private information. And we have to take the right steps to safeguard it. Very cool. Very cool. Then, um, like, here, Rafty. again, okay. No. So, uh, basic question in regards to, um, so you were talking with Microsoft, you're talking with Apple, you're talking with, with Google again. So I don't want to, I don't want to prejudice and tell you what state state, what states those are. I'll say this. We, we will be happy to work with each and every one of them. The, the out outreach efforts are ongoing. Um, and we are always available to collaborate. Very cool. Very cool. And the last question, Ben was already hinting at it. Um, are you actively working against um, stuff like VPNs, like Tor, browsing through Tor, or is this is this sort of like a blind spot where you're saying, well, if the person is educated enough to go that step, that's something yeah. we just don't drill so, down on. You know, as an internal security matter, uh, I'm, I'm going to stay pretty mum on this. I'll say this. What we do know is that the current age verification um, and as well as blocking in jurisdictions is ineffective when someone has the knowledge of a 13 year old. Okay. Um, I know where I was when I was 13 years old um, and what I was capable of. And I wasn't even, all I had was a terminal connected to my dad's Unix server in the next room. Okay. Um, I wasn't even allowed to have a hard drive and I could figure out some cool stuff. Um, but you know, there, what, what we know is that the security challenges continuously evolve. Right, and if you implement solutions that are so utterly blind to the easiest workarounds, all you've done basically, which is what many of these states want to do, is prevent ordinary law-abiding adults from accessing this content. That's really what, what what's at the core of this. Uh, if you're serious about protecting children, you work with industry, not against industry, because as you know well, who has the solutions, right? Who has the sophistication here? It, it, it's industry. It's it's generally not the electorate, right? So Outstanding. You know, these are important issues, obviously, and, and they're ones we continue to work on. I wish we could talk to you for like eight more hours. I know you have to go and your time is probably a heck of a lot more valuable than ours. Uh, is. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming. And I also want to invite you to come back any time you want to talk about any subject, even not MindGeek related, uh, just about the law and about technology. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to talk about that. So I'll, I'll say this right now. And uh, that, that's an offer I will take you up on. Uh, this was a fabulous chat. Um, I'll be happy to be to be back. This this story is just beginning, and uh, I'm eager to share it with the rest of the world and with your listeners. Thank you so much for your time. I know we've just scratched the surface. Uh, until next week, I'm Ben Maliso. I'm Raphael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec. Hey there, listener. Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rafti, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. 
We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel CISSP. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, at blueedgenetworks.com, and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.